Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 63. Today, we're continuing our discussion about online and distance learning and teaching. We'll also share some highs and lows from our teaching week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. All right, now it's time to talk about some highs and lows of our teaching week, which we've now had a couple online teaching online. weeks. So we can actually kind of talk about stuff now. Yeah, just say, I think it's going to happen this way. We can actually talk about what has happened. What has happened because you the don't good, know. The bad, the ugly. Well, we still don't know what's going to happen, but. Well, no, but. I digress. <laughs> not that, okay. We don't, the future is unclear, but. Right. But what I'm saying is right now we're going to talk about highs and lows that have actually happened in the yes. last couple of weeks. So we, Tanya's going to go first. Okay. So this is uh, week four of us officially being online. Is it? See, I thought it was week three. <laughs> It is week um, four. No, I'm pretty sure it's week four. Wow. But those first four days are hard to count because it was right, right, like it was just slam, bam, we're in it, four days, You're right. spring break. Okay. Yeah. Week so this four. is week four. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> do you know how people like to say, oh, give yourself grace? And I usually roll my eyes a snicker because that's how I am um, when people say <laughs> that kind of thing. But- right. So just remember, I'm giving myself grace when I say this. Here's my high. I started wearing real clothes. <laughs> I love it. It's made a difference. I'm wearing it does, doesn't yes. it? Yeah, yeah, I'm wearing real clothes like every day. Like, you know, the people who do this all the time from home, who work from home, because, you know, I overdo it with the self-help vloggers, bloggers, all the books, all the people who give you advice on how to work from home. Cause you know, there are people who do it all, all the time. Right. And we might as well listen to them. All of them said, get dressed. And I thought, what? All right, I'll try it. And yeah, um, every morning I get dressed and I'm more productive. Yep. So that's my high. I put on some clothes besides my sweats. Cool. Okay. Yeah, we're one of those cheesy families that when this whole thing came out, I was like, we're doing it. We're making the cute little color-coded schedule because we all function better that way. We are all those type of thinkers. And if we don't have our little color-coded schedule, which includes getting dressed, brushing teeth, eating breakfast, doing all of that before the workday starts, it starts off on a bad foot. So yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're doing that. I've explored that as well. Um, the people in my house resist, resist, resist. <laughs> yes. But yeah, we're all on a schedule. It's not as firm as I would like it to be, but um, it's- But it helps ha- having at least something to, yes. to go by. Cool. So that's my high wearing real okay. clothes. How about you? Well, mine just happened today actually, and I'll share. It's cheesy again, but you know, I'm going to go with it. So, you know, you put out all this stuff and you just don't know you know, our kids watching it, our kids doing it, are the responses that they're giving actually based on anything? Are they just typing random things? But I had a kid who responded on my 
my assignment today. This was really fun. And that just made my day. It's one kid out of the whole school. I mean, I have gotten more feedback than that. But for him to specifically say this was really fun was really, really sweet. And I also got, this was yesterday, a really sweet email from a third grader who's actually going to be changing schools at the end of this school year. And I think she's already kind of trying to like process and start grieving that she's not getting that like goodbye time with her classmates and her teachers. So I got a really, really sweet email from her saying how much I've made a difference in her life and how she's going to miss me. And I was like, well, now you have my email so we can keep emailing each other like this. So I think we have her through the rest of this year, I'm assuming. But anyways, I've just, I've gotten a couple of sweet notes from kids and it's been awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's time for our main theme. Online and distant learning continued and continued. Part three gazillion. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So like we mentioned before, we are in um, week four and yeah, it's very interesting because the learning curve for many things for me is very steep. You don't know how to do it until you have to do it. Right. That's how I feel. Yeah. And there's kind of some overarching thoughts. And Tanya found this lovely list from Pocketful of Primary, who's a blogger slash vlogger. Yes. I've watched some of her things on YouTube. Um, And these were kind of four tips that she came up with that I think really have been trying to drive a lot of my decisions lately. Um, First of all, use what is familiar to the students and to you. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um. Reduce work for the students and for you. Yes. Yeah. Um, Not to give hard deadlines, although that probably depends on your school environment because you might be in a a school environment where you're being asked to. So maybe for me, I it's not so much about no hard deadlines, but long term deadlines versus like daily assignments. Yes. I can deadline, but it's flexible. Right. Exactly. And then finally, giving students choice. Which, which has been a big part of what yeah, I've been doing. Yeah, you're really good at that one. Yeah. So we're going to kind of keep those as kind of our, our overarching themes as we talk about what we have been doing and what we're going to continue doing or change as we move forward, right? Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, that was very helpful to see from Pocketful of Primary, those tips. And, you know, if you've been paying attention to... Um, other music education podcasts or people who vlog or music teachers on Instagram or Facebook groups. I mean, there's so much information out there, but the very interesting thing is that um, it's important to pay attention to people who have been doing this. Right. 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 Like one of the most uh, useful things to me is when I heard, um, I think uh, Michelle Rose, I think her name is, and she mm-hmm. goes by her handle on Instagram is the musical rose. And I heard her talking on uh, that music podcast uh, with Bryson. And she was talking about some really very specific things going along with online learning and synchronous versus asynchronous learning. And all of these things are things that um, I had been told, you know, a few days ago when we were jumping into it, but it was really nice to hear someone who's been doing it, 
Right. And like the why behind it. Yeah. Because that's her job normally, right? She teaches yes. online music all the time. All the time. And these are the yeah. people that we really should be turning to. I mean, right. Uh, of course, you're listening to us right now, and we're going to do the best that we can. <laughs> Don't turn us off. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us, and we are learning a whole lot. Um, yeah. But really, there are people who have been doing this for a while, so it's really it's right. really good to take in all of what they've learned from years of doing this. Totally. Yeah. Totally. All right. And then also, uh, did you want to talk about any of those specifics as far as use what's familiar, reducing work, no hard deadlines, give student choice? I mean, I feel like, yeah, but I'll talk about it with what we're going to talk about next, like within the context of what we're going to talk about. Right. Okay. So I came up with um, kind of some, some big areas of focus that I found that I am mostly dwelling in Yes. as far as online teaching goes, and that would be content. Like what am I teaching? Now that I'm not in person with kids and we're not holding hands and we're not moving in a circle and we're not doing a lot of these in-person music, active music making experiences, which is what my whole curriculum is built on. And I know a lot right. of people are feeling like that. So now what does my content look like in this yeah. online environment? All right. So that's the first big area of focus. Number two, big area of focus is tech. What tech um, are you using? Oh, it, what not, tech yeah. are you not using? <laughs> yes. Like, and yeah. how does that frame your delivery of things? And being a slightly older teacher um, who did not grow up with all of this technology, I am slower learning a lot of these things. I mean, I'm not a dinosaur by any means. Like I, I can get <laughs> on, I'm doing Google Classroom. I'm using lots of tools. It just takes me a little bit longer because um, I'm not a digital native by any means. Like when I started college, yeah. we've got computer labs and nobody owned their own computer. So, right. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, my first email was when I went to college. That was a big deal. Oh, my first email was when I was out of college for sure. Right, so, right, right. So tech is a big thing. Yes. Um, and then the third thing, which I'm just now starting to, to get a grasp on, Oh, and I'm starting to get a grasp just a little bit on all these things, but is communication. So now that we're not seeing kids every day, how are, you, how are we communicating with the students and their families and the other teachers? And how does that look? Right. And then here's another area of focus that kind of just frames it all is the organization and the balance of all these things, which to be honest with you, the first two weeks, I was completely out of balance with not just what am I doing, but like how much time am I spending on tech? How much time am I spending on content? And not to mention that on top of all of it, we all have this overarching stress of right. this very weird situation that I keep telling my own children, hey, you know, it was 1918 the last time there was anything <laughs> like this happening in the world. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. All right. Shall we, shall we talk? Let's, let's hit it. Things? Let's hit yeah. it. Let's talk about content. Content. So now that so you're not using, music making. Right. So going back to, again, Pocketful of Primary and, and her tips, use what is familiar. So for me, this is not going to be a time to introduce anything new. Although, Although, one caveat, I will say, I went back on my own word with that. So, you know, we talk about in the Kodai world, we've got our PPP, we've got our prepare, present, and practice. So my, what I told myself when all this started was we're just going to practice everything we've learned so far this year online. 
there will be no presentation of new material and there certainly wouldn't be prepping of anything. And however far we get this year, wherever we're at is where we'll start when I, when we come back next year. Um, but I did decide to present rest to my first graders. Oh, but you said um, they were already, they were just, about they were there. so close. I mean, like we were literally going to have it presented to us right that week before spring break before we went for online learning. So other than first grade, and you know what, I will also say, I also snuck in whole note um, or four as we call it um, wow. in second grade. Um, Cause again, that's such a mathematical concept. That's not something in the Kodai world. I even teach so much in the context of song literature as much as I, I do, but I do teach whole note, that concept of a whole note to second graders. Um, and then, you know, we review it throughout their time with me as the literature calls for it. Um, so other than those two very obvious, easy things, my content is all practicing known things. Right. And also, I think it's been a really great opportunity to really dig into some of the things that I don't get to often in the classroom, like listening um, is something that sometimes falls by the wayside, listening and responding. Yes. Um, so I've been able to kind of take this as an opportunity to expose kids to a lot of different content through YouTube videos and listening examples. Um, so that's been kind of a fun thing for me to explore with them, too. Yes. I, do you want me to talk about specific assignments here, Tanya, or are we going to come back to that later? Um, I don't know. What do you, if you would like to, <laughs> you want to mention a specific assignment with content? Well, sure. I mean, this is what I'm doing with all grades. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast, but I've, I've gone for it fully is this idea of um, tic-tac-toe boards or choice boards. Um, so it's a three by three grid, nine squares. The middle square is always something that's required, and it's usually a video of me doing something, and then an exit ticket to go with that video. So if I look at my first grade example, where I um, basically presented rest in that video, so I did a loom, which is like a screen casting video that has a little picture of me in the corner, and I led them through Naughty Kitty Cat, and I presented Naughty Kitty Cat rest the way I would if I was in class. The only right. thing was that I didn't have kids responding to my questions, but I still just went through did. the whole process. And then that was like the required video. And then the exit ticket on Google form was like, there was a picture of naughty kitty cat. How many rests are in naughty kitty cat three? And that right. was the question they had to answer. And then all the boxes around it were things, different practice activities. And sometimes it was some rhythm reading thing I found online. Sometimes it was a video of me. Like I took them through like a writing rhythms activity. Only I did it with sidewalk chalk on the sidewalk, but I said, you could totally do this with a piece of paper and a pencil. doesn't matter how you do it. So then the idea is um, I upload all that to Google Classroom and then they return the board to me by highlighting or drawing on the boxes that they did. So I have two forms of, of communication from the students, the exit ticket and then the tic-tac-toe board. We can talk later about how that piece is going, whether that was too much, too little. Because that's but, where some of the tech things can. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole idea is I'm doing these tic-tac-toe boards with every grade. Sometimes it 
that it differs a lot. So this last week I was doing a rhythmic focus. So each grade level kind of sort of had their own board, although there were some similarities between, but they each had content specific to their own grade level. This next coming week, my theme, and I'm doing like a theme of the week just kind of for myself to keep myself sane, is movement and dance. So I'm going to actually have the exact same board third through sixth, and then the exact same board K through two. So I only have to make two of them for this upcoming week. And that's one of my ways of trying to stay sane is kind of, I've done a melodic practice board and I've done rhythmic practice boards. So now I'm kind of getting away from like specific grade level content and I'm focusing more big picture things that can be across multiple grades. So this upcoming week, I'm doing movement and dance. I've got another one planned later for instruments and that's going to be across all grades too. So that's kind of where I'm going with content is focusing on big practice activities kind of now getting away from very specific grade level practice, although there might be some of that sprinkled in and continuing with the tic-tac-toe boards. That is really funny because I feel like I'm I'm going the opposite right now. (laughs) Yeah. Because my first couple weeks, all of the activities I had were not specific melodic or rhythmic concepts per grade level. It was more of a music appreciation drive where um, I had students like, explore specific online music making things like Incredibox or, or Beepbox or um, some of those things that they can do online and some more music appreciation things. And now I'm starting to do more of, okay, here's like six minutes of me doing a melodic practice with third graders. Right. Right. Oh, and yeah, it's hard. It's go ahead. No, I was just going to say third grade's been tricky because Um, We were doing recorders and many of them have recorders. So I've been trying to put something there for the recorder players as an optional thing, but also another and mostly melodic practice just uh, for everybody to do. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want kids who don't have a recorder to go on there and go, oh, well, I'm not going to do anything because it's all about recorders. Right. Right. It is, it's hard because I, as much as I was proud of all of the work that I was doing, that was very grade level specific and, oh, I'm really giving these third graders good practice with Tikka Tikka right now, or, hey, it's fourth grade and we're really going to dig into high dough. It was a lot of content then that I had to create. And so, you know, we'll talk about this later when it comes to the balance piece, but I really found that doing individual grade level content as much as I was doing, I couldn't keep that going I was burning out very quickly so maybe it'll be like an every other week thing where like one week it's really generic and then the following week um, I can focus more grade level specific stuff I'll probably still you know once you once I created kind of one general board for everybody then a lot of the things could stay the same and then like there'd be one link that was like play this game well, then I would change the game depending on the grade level, you know, so it wasn't like every square of every board had to be different, but there was still a lot of differentiation differentiation between boards. And it was, it was tiring. So you have to find that balance, I think, between giving them that solid grade level content versus you can't drive yourself crazy. Yeah. And I, I love those boards and I especially love how it can be a formula like, okay, the top right-hand box is always going to be this type of activity where they watch a video. And then this box is always going to be like an interactive with a game. And that's just something I've been aspiring to be Carrie and do (laughs) this. And I keep saying, I'm going to be less Carrie now. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> Carrie is wearing me out. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is that I have not been able to attain this because the tech and the putting the content in a tech form that I can handle is one thing. But then what I've really noticed is that a lot of my students, especially the younger ones, they need a lot of tech help. Yeah. And so I just, I mean, just putting, and I'm using Google Classroom. That's my platform for all my grade levels because most of the students have experience with Google Classroom. And that's what we decided. And the AMP team, we're using one Google Classroom for art music and PE, which I think is good because they only have one place to, to stop and check for their quote specials. Right? right. So I like that. But something that's been really holding us back is that like I'll post a video on Loom where I will ask them to do an exit ticket attached to it, where there's questions about the song lyrics. I mean, very simple things, right? And they won't go to the exit ticket and they'll make comments. Right. They'll put, they'll put uh, their answers in comments or, or they'll make comments that they think that they're getting um, their accountability done. That Like they're very confused. The families yeah. are very confused. And we have been trying to make videos, very short videos, because I know they're not going to watch them if they're too long of, okay, so now you're in this assignment and now you view the video and now you have to go back to this page and click on the Google form. And this is your exit ticket. Don't forget to hit submit. You know, I mean, just yeah, yeah. walking them through that. And so on top of that, I was thinking, okay, if I do this tic-tac-toe board and I ask them to mark up the tic-tac-toe board like that, they're not going to do it. I'm just going to have like right. 500 emails to dig through to like try to get them to do that. And to be a little bit like selfish here, like if I'm going to spend the time even linking to something cool, not even just me making a video instructional or whatever, but if I'm going to spend the time putting that together, I want them to see it all. I'm going to be annoyed. If they, I know. <laughs> if I had that thought. Because I was, I was making some videos that I was really proud of. And I was like, oh, but what if nobody looks at it? Because it's one of the choice boxes. It's not the required box. And I was thinking very carefully about, well, what do I want my required box to be? But it's been interesting because the kids who have been returning it, a lot of them are. And who knows? This could all just be fake but they're they're highlighting or crossing off that they've done extra boxes and so you know I feel like the more that that content is engaging they're gonna choose more than one box and I encourage them to choose more than three you know their, their requirement is three but I I feel like well then it has to be engaging enough that they're gonna want to do that so back yeah. to you know what pocketful of primary says about giving students choice how funny, because that's always been one of my goals as an educator is to give kids more student choice. So I thought, well, this is the best way to do it. And yeah, yeah I've had that thought or are my feelings going to get hurt if none of them are choosing this activity and they're choosing this one instead? It's not about that. It's about truly giving them choice. And I, I try to be strategic about like which boxes I put my activities in. So they're going to get a balance. If they have to do three in a row, you can be strategic and make sure that they're getting a balance of active music making stuff and listening stuff and stuff that involves tech stuff that doesn't involve tech and I'll put an example of a couple of boards on our uh, website in the yes, show notes yes, so great. people can see and just know that um, I'll keep all the links active except there are sometimes links where I link to like a game where I've purchased so Aileen Miracle had a great 
um, set of Google slide activities that you can purchase. So then because I purchased that, I could share it as a view only copy with my students. So obviously that link won't be there. So if you see some links are gone, that's why, that's but why. you're going to see lots of links of me singing. And I also wanted to mention that, and this is something we mentioned in the last podcast too, how much that that face-to-face is so important that they see you and that they feel like they're making a musical community with you. So I still have been doing lots of like quote unquote sing-along videos where Mm -hmm. I'm singing versus just linking. Yeah, I can find that song on YouTube. I can find someone else who's maybe singing it and playing it much better than me on the ukulele. But the important part for me was I wanted them to see me. And I know you've been doing a lot of that too, right? I have. And that's, and that's where I've kind of laid my choice. I mean, as far as giving the students choice, that's where I've directed the choice to be is I'll say, okay, listen and sing along with this or this or this. So this is why I've been making all of these videos um, because I really want them overall, just like in my classroom, the most important thing is that they're doing active music making and that they're enjoying it. And that's, that's really hard to deliver across, you know, the internet and you just have to trust that they're doing it. And so I think, okay, if I do a lot of choices and they just have to interact and I mean, interact with the exit ticket, I guess, but join in, then I want them to have a choice on which one it is that they join in. And so my exit tickets have been very simple. Like, which song did you choose? Did you choose to sing part one or part two? So I've been using the acapella app and I've been doing a lot of two-part and three-part Um, canons of songs they know and some songs they don't know. And so I've made multiple videos of like a song that they don't know yet. So, okay, here's just me, just one part, just singing it. Now here's another video of me singing with me, two part from, you know, the acapella app. And now here's a three part. And can you challenge yourself? Which, Which one did you do? So that's how I've made myself feel better about the whole choice thing. Right. Um, I do aspire to do the tic-tac-toe boards with my older kids as we go along. Um, And it's something that I'm building up to. So one thing that I've been trying to do is get them to do the activities that I assign are things that are, I'm going to make a center box. Right. Right. So my mountain school kids, for example, I've only seen them and I haven't seen them, but I mean, I am with them for like a whole week at a time. Mm-hmm. But, and we've kept that schedule as far as who is at the mountain school, art, music, or PE, just for the sake of clarity for everybody, students, family, staff. Um, but I don't want to push out to them more than two or three pieces of accountability because right. especially at the mountain school, what I have noticed, and I've noticed this since day one, frankly, they are not particularly um, techie. Right. Like just as a community, I, I mean, I'm not saying that they are not, they definitely use it as a tool, but it's not something that they're as invested on. I mean, you know, this community are people who are really connected to, they want to be in the mountains. They're in this, this Canyon They're They've put themselves in this place where it's more about, uh, being in nature and less about being hooked up, you know, right. to technology. So, That's I mean, that, awesome. That I that should have been a given, but I just didn't really realize until I started putting things out with technology that they had to get back to me through an exit ticket or through something else 
um, how much more assistance they needed in the tech area. So right. With that, do we want to talk about? Yeah, let's segues into tech. And we've yes. mentioned some things already. Um, so my main go-to, like you, is has been Google Classroom, not necessarily by choice, <laughs> but because that's what the platform the school decided to go with. And we very much decided, and, and I agree, that we needed to keep it as simple as we could for our families and our students and having them bounce back and forth between multiple platforms was not gonna be a good idea. So I upload everything through Google Classroom and what we decided to do was actually just join the classroom teachers uh, Google Classroom because we got feedback from families that it was difficult for them to remember to toggle between classes because uh. we had set up an AMP class to start and um, a lot of kids weren't joining, weren't, weren't interfacing, weren't there. So um, we started just putting all of our stuff in the classroom teacher. So I definitely turned off my email notifications because otherwise oh I was literally getting hundreds of emails a day. Now, I have a quick uh, question about that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you, I don't know if you went long enough having the AMP class separate, if you could tell if you were getting more engagement with them um, outside yeah, of I, your class, outside in your own AMP class, or when it's through the classroom teacher? We didn't do it long enough, probably for me to make a fair comparison, but it was definitely immediately better when I joined the classroom teachers. Um, but that was also week one of online learning versus week two. So, so you made it, it might've been, week one. Okay. we made that, well, that decision was kind of made for us. I mean, we just decided everybody, the SPED teachers, the interventionists, that everybody had to add content that the classroom teachers, Google classroom was going to be like the student's homeroom and that we were going to go to them, not make them go to us. You know, right. um, it was easier for parents and families and it's funny because my own kids um, are in our district and their classroom teachers doing Google Classroom. They have a separate classroom for art, music, and PE. And I'm the music teacher and I sometimes forget, oh, let's make sure we go over and check to see if you have any work for art, music, or PE today. So, you know, that shows how easy it can be to forget yeah. because you have to literally go over and click on it, you know? So I don't know. I, it, I, I can't compare, but it, it's it seems to be going better and it's going fairly well. And there's no excuse because I know they're all on there all day. At least they should be. So there's no excuse for them to say, well, I didn't see that assignment. Well, yeah, well, it's you, right there. My other concern would be, are there any classroom teachers who don't like sharing the space or think that you're posting too much or too yeah. little? Or... We kind of asked. So when we came to the decision to do it this way, we had, um, a staff meeting, a Zoom staff meeting, you know, where we were talking about all this stuff. And, you know, we kind of asked oops, because we hadn't even set up Google Classroom for the primary kids yet. So it was only third grade and up that had a separate AMP class. And when we asked the classroom teachers, none of them spoke up and said no. And all of them seemed to be mostly concerned for their students' well-being more than anything. Yeah. And there was also this benefit of, well, if we're all posting to the same place, then we see what everyone else is posting as far as you start to realize how big the overwhelm is. When I see how much some classroom teachers are posting, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I'm only posting once a week, you know, versus I was posting almost every day the very first week because that's what our principal told us to do because we didn't know what we were doing. So now that we see how much the kids are getting, it's really easy to say, oh, wow, we really all have to kind of keep each other in check and in balance that, of course, they're going to get the 
bulk of their work from their classroom teacher, they should. But at the same time, then that makes me aware of how much and how in-depth the work is. Plus, if I see that something's working really well, if a classroom teacher is posting to a certain platform or posting a certain type of assignment that's going well, maybe I'll try the same one. Um, The reality is I'm probably a little bit farther ahead of the game as far as the online learning curve compared to classroom teachers. So I feel like what I'm doing is working well for me and I'm not necessarily going to copy what they're doing, but at the same time, it's nice for me to see. And I've been in communication a lot with the classroom teacher as far as like, okay, which kids are actually turning in work, which kids are turning in blank work, because that's really fun. Um, Which kids are, haven't engaged at all. And when you see, because the same kids are turning in assignments to their classroom teacher, and you can see that when you're a co-teacher, you can see who is turning in stuff. It makes me feel not crazy because <laughs> it's really the same kids, the same kids who are gung ho in the classroom online are also gung ho for me. The same kids who were gung ho in the physical classroom were also gung ho for me too. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, you course. always have some outliers, but I think when we started this whole online thing, I was like, why am I not getting a hundred percent engagement? Well, because no one is, you know, like yeah, I mean, we you have to kind of 100% engagement when they were sitting five feet away from you. No, class, I know I could right? lie and say I was, but no, I mean, we I, I probably got a lot of more yeah. yeah, but I mean, when you think about who are the kids who are really raising their hands and who are the kids who are really volunteering in the class, those are the same ones who are doing it online too, you know? Yes. I mean, it's, well, but I have seen some kids who have really stepped up and I think that that has to do with their family true. members, you know? It's true. They've got, there's a lot of grandparents that are are with their uh, yes. grandchildren right now. And um, it's very funny because I'll get comments on like a Loom video or on an exit ticket where it's very clear that it's written by grandma or grandpa. Oh yeah. It'll say, you know, Evan <laughs> really liked this one. Yeah. We're <laughs> not even going to try to pretend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention one more thing about the tech piece. If I had the choice, I really wish that our primary classrooms would have used Seesaw instead of Google Classroom. Seesaw is something that I've used so much. I'm really familiar with it. But I'm saying this for the benefit of someone who's listening. If you're still deciding which platform, if your kids are familiar with Seesaw, use Seesaw because the capabilities for them to upload pictures and videos and just especially for primary kids to interact. Although older kids love Seesaw too. It's not just for primary kids. I'm just saying this, that if I had the choice, I would have done Seesaw K through two in a heartbeat. But again, because our school decided we're going to do one platform, sure, I could still try to do Seesaw. But having parents go to Google Classroom and then being told in Google Classroom, now go to Seesaw and log in to do this. Yeah. They were, were really trying to stay away from that. So uh, uh, along with the tech, tech. Are yes. you loving, Tanya? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to kind of rattle off because it's very interesting. I, did, I listened to our, pod, our first podcast about the yeah. online learning. And <laughs> it's just so interesting to hear a few weeks ago, all the things that I said I wanted to do. And now all the things that I'm doing and how, you know, they're not the same. No. Um, and then the things that I've come to really rely on are not things that I maybe even knew about. Right. Okay, so tech tools that I really like, I, we're using Google Classroom, which I don't know as thoroughly as I should. It, yeah. You know, it's not as intuitive as it should be. No, I mean, there's, and there's things I don't love about it. Yeah. When we started this whole thing, I thought I was doing, I thought I knew what I was doing in Google Classroom. And 
now there's been things that have shown me that I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, and that can be a problem when you, when you send something out, you push something out and you want students to do some, to respond in a certain way. And then, you know, something gets hung up along the way and you, I don't know, like when I get emails from families who say, we can't figure out why it doesn't say whatever. I mean, that it was right. submitted. And now I know, Hey kids, right. just because you did the exit ticket doesn't mean that it's going to say that you completed the work. You've got to go back right. to the assignment and check. Um, Mark has done. Mark has done. Right. So yeah. So there's all these little things that I just didn't, didn't think about because I haven't right. had to rely on it like that. So I'm using Google classroom. I'm fine with it. Um, what else? Flipgrid has been wonderful, amazing. Yeah. And I'm starting to play with Pear Deck, but I've not really pushed anything out using that because I'm a little nervous about the responses. Yeah. And I, I just mean like how they come back to me. I got to make sure with our demo class, I got to make sure I understand where things are going back. Like, right. you know, when kids respond. Um, I am making videos using Loom, which I like a lot. I haven't tried yep. Screencastify because at this point there's, I'm just using Loom, so I don't Loom need to learn speaking. to use yeah. Zoom, uh, Screencastify. So did I miss any, what tech? No, I think that's pretty, do you like that we have pretty much all the same ones. Um, again, I mean, I had visions of using Pear Deck and, you know, even Flipgrid, I've kind of pared down a little bit. Oh, pear, pear down. Can you hear that? Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. Because again, I think trial and error, I found the more things that I linked to outside of Google Classroom, even though with Flipgrid, you only have to log in with your Google, it still seemed like just getting them to interact with things right there in Google Classroom and then maybe a Google form on the side was plenty to do. So I've included on my tic-tac-toe board, there's usually one of the boxes is listening to something, you know, that I link to on YouTube or whatever, and then they get to share a response to that on Flipgrid. But because it's a choice, I'm not getting a ton of interaction with that, just a little bit here and there. So if they're not responding on Flipgrid, where are they responding? Are they just not responding if they're not? I just mean like they don't do that box. Like they're not choosing that box. Oh, okay. You know, they're choosing to do other things. I had a thought about that because one of the reasons I like Flipgrid is because there are kids who can speak more eloquently than they can write, right? Right. And there are kids who are more apt to tell you what they're thinking and how they're responding to something if they can speak it rather than if they can write it, right? Yep. Yep. So that's why I started using it. However, I have noticed that I do have some kids who are reluctant to do that and maybe they want to write. So I haven't done this. Right. That's why I'm leaving it as a choice, but not making it a required thing anymore. Yeah. I thought about, I wonder if I made it a choice like, okay, watch this video, listen to this recording and respond either on Flipgrid or you can go to this Padlet. Right. Giving them a choice of that. Yeah. Yeah. So Padlet's another tool that I've used mostly with the grad students, um, which is very handy because it's like a big bulletin board. Right. You can I know a lot of teachers who have used it with success with students too. At your school, you mean? 
um like just i've heard about people like on instagram and facebook and things oh okay well no i I take that back i have had a couple classroom teachers say that they've used padlet for kids to like do like their daily check-ins and those kind of things oh so i haven't done that yet but i thought well maybe i could just say you need to respond either on padlet or on flipgrid yeah so that's another yeah for older kids Yes, but again, you have to just be careful with how much tech you're sending him to because a big complaint we're hearing from a lot of parents is I have to go to this thing and then I have to go to this thing and then I have to go to this thing. Like for the classroom teachers, I go to Khan Academy and then I go to iStation and then I go to Seesaw and then I go to the. So for me, I'm trying to minimize that as much as I can. Yeah, there are all these great tech tools out there, but if all I'm going to get is confusion and frustration, it's not worth it at this point. So I'm just trying to do as much as I can in Google classroom or through this tic-tac-toe board where they just link to things rather than having to go to something on their own. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's just so much to it. So on that note, let's talk about, you mentioned the communication that you're getting from families and students and and teachers. Um, The communication piece can be a little bit tricky Yep. I know that the the first two weeks I was getting an email or a, um, like, they don't just email. Sometimes they want to chat, but they're not really wanting to chat. They just <laughs> drop it in there, right? And it's because- You're talking about students? I'm or? talking about students, but I'm also talking about families. Like from parents, sometimes I'll get that. Where Like some long rambly things? No, no, it's not long and rambly. It's usually like- I did this and now I don't see that it's done type of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so the communication piece, I feel like I'm behind on that part because I've been focusing on the tech and the content and like pushing things out and making it organized and getting it done and deciding exactly what we're going to do. And are we big picture here? And which grade levels am I going to try to group together and have to do similar things so I don't go crazy? So I've been focusing on my organization of the material that I'm presenting. And now I'm like, oh, that's right. Communication is a two-way street. Right. I mean, it's not that I've been ignoring emails that are coming at me saying, I can't figure out Flipgrid or I can't figure out that. It's just that like, that's a piece that I haven't, I haven't gone online with students. Like I haven't done any kind of um, Google Meet or Zoom or any any of that yet. And that's something that I want to do. And I've kind of been waiting to do that because I wanted to make sure that they were not overwhelmed with one more thing. Right. And then I know um, a lot of classroom teachers, like my own children, well, my son who's in high school, his school day is synchronized learning, like from eight until noon. So every half an hour, he has to be in a new class and he has to be on the laptop, usually with the teacher, you know, and everybody, there's a little picture, there's the grid view of everybody, which I don't know. It's a little concerning because I know we've talked about in my school situation, we've had a lot of kids who say they're not able to get online or do anything till their parents come home from work, or they can do stuff during the day, but they have no one there to help them. They are on their own in the house by themselves. So, right. and then just, there's this whole equity issue about, yeah, you totally. know, are we supposed to be seeing private lives of, of students? I mean, is that appropriate? It's, is yeah. that equitable? Is that okay? 
Well, as far as the communication for, for me goes, I, I will say I'm very, very spoiled because I'm at such a small, small school as far as student numbers go. It, we're very, very small. So I've been able to keep up with it pretty well, but it's, it's a lot. And the one thing that I decided pretty early on, and this isn't, you know, a guilt trip for anyone, but again, because I'm spoiled, I can say this, that it was really important to me that I was grading and returning, not because of the grade, but because I want to validate for the students who are doing the work and turning it in that they know that I'm seeing their work and now I'm putting a grade on it because that's just what our society tells us to do. And I'm returning it to you. So, and then I'm always including a little comment. Thanks for doing your work. A great job. I mean, yeah. just very generic And they're encouraged things. to do it um, again. Right. Yes. And I think the more I do that, hopefully those students will keep coming back. I'm worried that if kids are turning in work and we're not saying anything to them back, at some point they're going to go, does she even know that I'm doing this? You know? So in the same way that we're sitting here going, are our students even doing this work? We have to ensure to them that they know we're looking at their work. I totally agree. And I've just started making sure I'm responding to everything coming my way. And I'm not, I'm not all caught up. In fact, I'm tomorrow is Friday. And that is what my first half of the morning is going to be, is just making sure that I have touched base with everybody who's turned something in and said, I see that you did this. Thanks so much, you know? Yeah. So actually, that's a good segue to talk about organization balance, because um, I I think I came up with a pretty good system of how I organize my day. Oh, please do tell, because (laughs) I am a hot mess. Some days are better than others. This week has been a huge shift as far as my workflow and my general attitude and my ability to like really focus. I I don't, I mean, I'm not sure what to blame and it doesn't matter, but I I mean, this whole, just the world is weird right now. Yeah. And that definitely kind of puts a pall on everything and it makes it hard to focus on getting things done. And so my organization has been everywhere and it wasn't until just this week that I finally am getting some kind of flow, workflow, as it as it were. So tell me your your whole thing. Okay. So um, first of all, I will say I don't really. I try not to allow myself to look at social media or the news at all until at least after lunch, That's because if thing. I do, I get sucked in to the good and the bad. So, anyways, um, we set up in my family that nine to eleven is work time. And then one to three is work time. And that's for me too. So in the mornings from nine to 11, that's when I'm going through and checking assignments that have been turned in, commenting back, answering all the questions that I'm getting about how do I do this? How do I do that? And it sometimes does take me that full two hours to do that, depending on when I upload. So I will also go back and say that we decided that um, in our work week, the art teacher posts her work Tuesday. I post mine Wednesday, Thursday is PE, and then Friday is a day for them to do any catch-up work, and then students also have Monday as a catch-up day. So I'm only posting my tic-tac-toe boards on Wednesdays, so then I get a lot of stuff back on Wednesday, which is good because a lot of kids do it right away, and then I get a lot of stuff back on Monday because I make them do on Monday. And we should take a minute to mention that our district did something really smart up front. Yes. Thank you, Jeffco. Monday the Monday is not 
any classes for students. Monday is like off for students in this yes. model. And that Monday is reserved for class uh, teacher planning and teacher meetings and right. that kind of stuff. So that yep. has been a godsend because yes. that's when I have all my meetings. <laughs> Exactly. So like I said, Wednesdays is when I post. So posting takes a little while too, just to make sure everything's uploaded and working correctly. But then immediately I'll start getting stuff back, which sometimes is telling like, really, did you do the work? But some kids do it quickly and that's, that's fine. So anyways, mornings nine to 11, that is my grading time, answering questions time. And then afternoons, that one to three time, that is when I am planning and putting together resources for the following week. So like today. It's very interesting because I, I mean, I do most of my like creative thinking and planning thinking and my, um, you know, that kind of thinking, creating in the morning best. So you could switch it. For me, yeah, it's the opposite. So, I am such a night owl and I am not a morning person that it works better for me to do in the morning, the more like mundane things and the things that don't require so much of that creative thought process. So it's just the checking the boxes and putting in the grades. And but then it's nice because at 11 o'clock, our whole family has deer drop everything and read, including myself, close oh, the computer. Is that an acronym even? Oh, well, I've heard, I stole it from a classroom teacher. Yeah. Uh, but That's yeah, awesome. we say, I say deer time. Now I'm guilty. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want five more minutes to finish this one. I'm almost done checking this one class, whatever. But we really try to turn off all screens because our eyeballs need a break too and read on an actual book. And then the kids have outside time. I make lunch. I go outside, get fresh air, blah, blah, blah. So then when I sit back down at one o'clock, it's like, boom, now I'm ready to work again and I feel refreshed. So that's been working really well for me. And most days by three o'clock, then I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm totally done sometimes earlier than three, because either I've done what I wanted to get done for the day. But the nice thing is like today, it's Wednesday, I posted my week assignments this morning, I have almost everything planned for next Wednesday. So it, now I still have Thursday. Oh, today's Thursday. <laughs> okay. Gosh, <laughs> this is where we're at. Okay, but still, it's Thursday. And I have almost everything planned for next week, Wednesday. Okay. So I still have all day tomorrow, Friday, and I still have Monday and Tuesday to make sure all my stuff is ready to go for Wednesday. So this this whole revolving schedule thing, it's working really well for me. That other is than awesome. Not knowing I, what day I am envious because I have been a hot mess. I'm telling you. And some evenings, you know, if my kids are busy, you know, doing whatever they're doing, video games or whatever, and, you know, if my husband's working on stuff, sometimes in the evenings, I'll get back on my laptop and I'll putter around. I'm guilty of that. But most evenings, I've got everything closed. And so that's, that feels really good to know that I'm not letting it all, even though I feel like I've been putting out a lot of content, I don't feel like the hours I've used creating it has been too bad. That's good. Well, I'm glad that you could um, like give us an example of your schedule because when we were talking about these areas of focus, content is what I want to spend my time on. Tech is what I do spend my time on because, yeah. and that, and that's a not a good place to be is when your lack of tech understanding is driving the majority of your time and dictating what you're doing. Then I feel like I, I first couple of weeks, I was grasping at straws and I'm like, it doesn't matter what I'm pushing out. Let's just push it out. Right. And I don't want to be, even in this situation, I do not want to be that kind of teacher. And I, I mean, I, 
I had to have a lot of talks with myself and remind myself, wait a minute, um, I'm a music teacher and I have been for a long time. So yeah, I can do better than just you know, grabbing that this and grabbing at that and sending them to this website and that website. I right. want it to be, I still want it to be meaningful and I still want it to be something that enriches their lives with music. And I, I want to make sure that's happening, but the tech, you know, sitting down and realizing, oh, everybody is asking me why this is not working in Google Classroom. And I just figured out that this is the answer. And I haven't been telling them that because I don't know Google Classroom well enough, right? Right. So I've had to stop and both me and my husband have sat down a couple of mornings and said, you know what, right now, we are just going to watch YouTube videos on how to use this particular tool because right. we don't know what we're doing and we got to make sure we know what we're doing. And now it's time for our work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And Carrie, you've got a bazillion of them, but what do you have to share right now? Well, I just want to reiterate something we've talked about before, but it's worth mentioning again. So in Google Classroom, there is one feature that is awesome. There's many things I don't love about Google Classroom, but one thing <laughs> I do is the whole make a copy for each student when it comes to assigning an assignment. And that could be like a Google Doc or it could be in Google Slides. It could probably be in other formats, but those are the two that well, I do. Well, if you do an most. exit ticket, it does that automatically and you don't have to click. Right, but that makes that in Google Forms, Yes, which is a whole different thing. So going back to my tic-tac-toe example. So what I do is I create my tic-tac-toe on a Google Doc. And it's the whole templates there as a Google Doc. And then when I assign it to the students, I upload it from my drive, but there's a little drop-down menu to the right once you add this file where you can select make a copy for each student. So then this allows the students to write on it, to mark on it. And what it does is it automatically saves the file with their name first. Yes, so you'll see the yes, student's name awesome. and that's how you know. And so then if you click on student work, in Google Classroom, you will see next to their name, they have an attachment already there that's already there for them to work on. Then they just have to click turn in when they're done. So this works really well if, for my case for the tic-tac-toe. It works really well if you want to do something in Google Slides where they're manipulating things and moving things around and it's their own. So like I did a composition activity with Google Slides this way. And I did create a little tutorial about this. So I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. That was more about creating a worksheet in Google Slides as far as creating a background image into Google Slides mm -hmm. as your worksheet, and then kids can write or drag or whatever on top of it. Well, I so did it's got both a couple of those other things. Like, and I followed your video because I yeah. made a worksheet in Google Slides and, and then had, a, had it make a copy for each student, and it worked really well. I did have one student who started a whole new document and right. wrote and listed stuff. And I'm, yeah, I'm like, oh. I feel like they don't believe me. I'm like, no, for real, this is yours. I promise you can yeah. write on it. And it's funny because my own daughter, you know, second grader, she had an assignment where I'm sure her teacher meant to make a copy for each student 
but didn't. Uh She gave the students the original. And so my daughter went to write on hers and she, or type in hers. And she was like, I can't do this, mom. I can't, you know, and I, so I emailed the teacher and said, oh, I think you need to change your settings to make a copy for each student. (laughs) She's probably like, wow, crazy mom. How do you know so much about Google Classroom? (laughs) Um, Because she's a sub. She doesn't know that I'm a teacher. But anyways, the point is make a copy for each student is a great function in, in Google Classroom. They can use for docs if you want them to type directly into a document or highlight like they are in mine or slides if you want them to do even more stuff. Cool. And now it's time for the CODA section where we each give a personal or professional recommendation of something we've been enjoying. So Tanya, what have you been enjoying in your house? Oh, well, I've been enjoying this out of my house as I take my morning walks. Or on your walks. On my walks, a personal thing. Um, So I've been listening to a new to me and a new podcast, which is called Staying In with Emily and Kumail. And I don't know if you're familiar with the actor Kumel Nanjiani. Uh, no. Well, he had a movie that came out a couple of years ago called The Big Sick. And it's really. Oh, I never watched that movie because oh, I was worried it would be too sad. No, it is a, such a good movie. I really enjoyed okay. that movie. And it's like really the true story of when he met his wife because Aww. when they, they met in LA and they kind of started dating, but they weren't really serious and then she got very ill and basically went into a coma yeah and it's just that whole story so yeah it's a it is definitely a little bit teary but it's a really good movie and he he's been in lots of things he was originally a stand-up comedian and um, they're both very charismatic and they just started this podcast like right when everybody went into quarantine and it's a lot of banter between the two of them about staying in and like, of course, how they're dealing and just, you know, the, the little foibles that have come up with this whole staying in dilemma and, and, uh, you know, what they've been spending their time doing. And I mean, it sounds really boring as I'm describing it now, but it's actually, it's very charming. And if you like to listen to witty banter, and you're still with us, then maybe this is for you. <laughs> Not that we're particularly witty. So boy, you know. Just a lot of banter. Just a lot of banter. Yeah. Um, um, is it kid-friendly swearing, any of that stuff? To oh, there's some of? swearing. I'm sorry to okay. say. Yeah. Well, no, I'm that's not okay. sorry to say because I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, yeah. I've been really wanting to listen to my my murdery podcast, but there's a lot of swearing in mine. So I can't, it has to be with headphones on with my kids around. Because yeah. it's like, uh, I mean, my daughter's still pretty young, so and it's a lot of well, F-bomb. Yeah. So, yeah. It's and just good to know. I will enjoy it, but just with my headphones on. Well, and the funny thing is their uh, podcasts are really long as well. So I'm looking at like the first ones, an hour and a hey, minutes. Hey, like us. And I'm like, oh, look, look there, somebody else. So much to say. Way too long podcasts. We just have so much to say. We do. So what All about right. you? What well, are you enjoying? I know you got it. Okay. I'm going to mention a really quick cheesy professional thing. Can I tell you the best money that I've spent since this whole thing went down 
is a wireless USB mouse. I didn't have one of those before. And being on my laptop all day, not all day, my four hours a day. Yeah. And, and like my wrist was starting to seize up, like from like doing the trackpad on my, my laptop. Really? So huh. yeah, like it was getting really bad. So I bought one of those fancy on Amazon. It came two days later, my little USB, stick it in the USB and you've got a wireless mouse thing. Anyways, just had to mention that because it's really saved my wrist and my hand. I didn't, much happier. I didn't realize that that was something anybody wanted to go back to is using a mouse. Oh, I, I hate using the trackpad. It, it frustrates me to no end. And yeah, I didn't think a mouse would be that big of a deal, but my, my son has one because he's a nerd like me. <laughs> my fifth grade son, his grandma had one and he was like, I want one of those. That's really cool. Cause I think he thought it was kind of cool and retro. So I borrowed his one day and I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm getting one of these. It's making <laughs> so happy. So I don't care. It's, it's awesome. So that was my first thing. But I also okay. want to mention a totally opposite end of the spectrum while still dorky, but in a different way. Um, I've been playing a lot of Legend of Zelda, oh my. <laughs> Breath of the Wild. We are, we are a video game family. I'm not going to even try to lie. Not like constant all day, although Zelda sucks you in. So and <laughs> I selfishly bought it for my husband because it's kind of one of those games that like we love to play this game when we were younger, before kids, we played Zelda and like the old gaming systems and uh, we heard that this game on switch was like really beautiful and was really like has a huge story and I was like I'll never have time to devote to that well hey guess what we now have, you have time, time. Now. so we my kids and I that was our present to him for his birthday a couple weeks ago but I've started playing my own and um oh my gosh it's very very addicting and yeah so that's kind of my my escape from the world like literally is playing Zelda it's been well, really fun. You, you might be happy to know through your influence that I've been I've been in negotiations with Craig about oh. like, maybe we should get a Nintendo Switch. Oh my gosh, we love it. I'm I, not gonna lie. I'm nervous about it though, because we are not a gaming family and I am not, you know, I haven't but like we're like Mario Kart gaming family. We're not like I mean my son likes Fortnite and Minecraft and all that stuff, but like there are games that we can play as a family. I know it sounds cheesy. No, we but also that's... play lots of board games too. But yeah, and we, we love play... board games. But that was the we whole like... thing. It's like if it's something we can do as a family, like that would be a that'd be one more yeah. fun thing to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fun games and things you can do on the Switch. Well, it's when we're fun. in like Zelda's month four or five of this quarantine, I think we might break down and do that. Either that or Disney Plus. One of the one of the evils <laughs> will come into your house. <laughs> it could be. It could be both. We love our Disney Plus too. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Our show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. Next time, we will be talking more about our adventures in online learning as we get more weeks going and this is week three, not week four. As I said before, I just, 
it's okay. Can you it believe feels like that almost 67. a month ago, a month and like a couple of days, we were at the Oak Conference. No. It was like a million years ago. That feels like a million years ago. Yes. Yeah. So until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking. And now it's time for our work harder. Nope, nope. Let me do that again. (laughs)